Welcome, friends, to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How to use mindset to unlock inner wisdom. Hey, everybody. I have a great guest for us today. Her name is Karen Hill, and I'll tell you about her in a minute. So go get your coffee and your tea, sit back, and get ready to learn some really amazing things about your inner wisdom, about mindset, and how they come together for your own personal greatness. So I've met Karen recently through a really good friend of mine who's also been been on the show before, Michelle Royal, who she's amazing too. And so when we connected right away, I was like, oh man, Karen, you got to be on the show with me. So she graciously is giving us her time today to talk to us about mindset, our inner wisdom, and what can we do to use our mindset to unlock all this great potential within us. So Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Diane. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so excited to have you here because being that I work with all gifted and talented people and we're all kind of like, we're not even out of the box because there's no box to go with us. And, and the mindset is such an important topic. And I think sometimes people even miss the fact that we have inner wisdom. So I just love the work you're doing and I love the whole marriage of these two things. So we ha- I have lots of questions, believe me, lots of questions. <laughs> and the first one question is a little bit is, can you give us like a couple minute snapshot on your world and how you even started in the mindset arena? And then we're going to go from there. But like kind of give us a little backstory of who Karen is, like where you were raised, a little bit about you, but also like what interested you in mindset to start with? Okay. Yeah, it might take more than a couple minutes, but (laughs) yeah, right. Um, From Seattle, and I'm now living down in St. Pete, Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, uh, my story and how I got interested in any of this and all of this is eight years ago, I was happily married to my beautiful husband for 36 years. I went away on a business. I was in the world of fashion at the time. I went away on a business trip and I was in Dallas and I got a horrible phone call one night while I was there that my husband had been tragically killed. In fact, he'd been Mm. murdered. Oh, yeah. So at that moment, my world imploded. My world crashed. Um, You know, my big fancy world just turned into shattered little pieces of glass on the floor. And that was when I went right into traumatic shock, like you would imagine. And because of the traumatic shock, it manifested for me in a very rapid heartbeat. The fight or flight, because it was the fear of of how he was killed and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And this... um, and I had gone to the doctors, I, you know, I had this rapid heartbeat of 150 to 200 beats a minute. That was that was how the this stress and this the anxiety and the fear had manifested in this fight or flight for me and knew nothing about the nervous system, knew nothing about how to control our minds and, you know, what's in our mind, all this mm-hmm. type of thing and how our minds and body are connected. 
and the Western doctors, which I love, you know, if there's something wrong with me and I need to, you know, be stitched up or in a car or whatever, right. but because something was in my mind, they weren't able to actually help me other than the SSRIs and the antidepressants and things like that. And they mm -hmm. even had told me that because it was in my mind, that there wasn't anything physically they could do for me until because of this rapid heartbeat that wasn't slowing down at all for months that I would either go into AFib or have a stroke and then come back and then they could help me. And it, oh this my. is literally what they had told me. Oh my and word. Oh my I know, word. I know. <laughs> okay, was, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But oh yeah, my God. yeah. So it was, it was a crash course into, to all of just having the, the fight or flight, the fear, all of this, the stress, the anxiety, everything that's going on that was, um, you know, one moment you're living your happy life and the next moment, you know, you can't think straight because of, of all this and, and that rapid heartbeat, which again, you couldn't think straight, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't do anything like that. And so when, mm -hmm. when the doctors really sent me home and had, gotten it had gotten to the place where there really literally was no hope and this was months in and I had developed PTSD you know the the post-traumatic stress um, because of this and um, really I was stuck in that loop you know that loop that was playing how he was killed over and over which is what PTSD is it's just stuck on that one side of your brain playing in that right, continuous right. loop which was keeping me in this fear and keeping my heart rate going and so it wasn't until about four months into this, and I had literally given up all hope of, of not getting out of this. And the thing is that it's interesting that when you get into this state and pain and, and things like that are, are pretty similar, it almost becomes familiar to your body. Yes. You, be, you get used to it, you know, and so you learn to live with it. Basically, even though it's uncomfortable, it becomes in, in a weird way, almost comfortable. I, yeah, I call that familiar pain. It's like so familiar exactly. that we live with it and we don't even really realize how much the toll is of it because we've yeah. adjusted until it's gone. And then it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're making total sense. Yeah. And but I got lucky. I got really lucky. One night. After I uh, literally no one, no one was able to help me. And so I had, like I had mentioned, just pretty much given up any hope and, and just figured this is what it's going to be like. And once I have the stroke and, and or the AFib, I can go back and the doctors can fix me. And I literally sat up in bed. It was 221, looked at that back in the day, eight years ago, there were the clocks on the side with the big red numbers on them, you know, <laughs> looked at the clock. And sat up and remembered that I knew something called NLP, this neuro linguistics programming of mm -hmm. how to change the, the horrible picture that was playing in my mind all the time and keeping me in the fear. It was it was an analogy, a lot like if we've all had nightmares. Mm -hmm. And so you're safe in bed, but your mind is making your, your heart race and, you know, you're, you're in this fear. You're trapped inside and, and your body takes over. You know, mm -hmm. even though you're laying in bed and so I'm walking around and I'm totally fine and people look at I look just like this, you know, and there's nothing they can see that there's nothing wrong with me yet I was trapped inside this. And um, so the, the NLP, I was able to take the, the, the horrible picture and right. change it for a good picture. 
And it was basically about a 20 minute process. Um, And it was one of those things where, because it's in your imagination, everything that's going on in your mind is in your imagination. You had to go back. I had to go back into the imagination to fix it, to to, right. Mm -hmm. And so I did this process, went back to sleep. And it was the first time in months that I didn't wake up and I wasn't checking my pulse rate and trying to, to live in that um, calming and, and centering and, and grounding myself to where I could do breathing all the time to get my heart rate back to normal. It was over like that. And it was from that moment on, Diane, that I literally had to know what in the hell happened. How could I change this, calm my system down, have that immediate shift in this 20 minute little process, which was, it's almost kind of silly and it's almost childlike. It's that, that type of a thing to where all these doctors in their, you know, the white coats and their medicines and all this type of thing couldn't help me at all. And it was from that moment on that my journey actually became, began because I had to know from there on everything I could about how this worked, how this happened, having been in it and experienced it, it is how could I do that through my mind, Mm -hmm. what they couldn't do. So I literally have spent eight years of my life, these past eight years, studying everything I can get my hands on about neuroscience and epigenetics and quantum physics and metaphysics, everything, and you know, physics, um, uh, energy, everything that I could, I went back and got certified. I had been certified, I should back up a little of and why I knew the NLP. Three years prior to my husband being killed, my mom had developed cancer and um, just out of the blue. And so having lived in Seattle, there was a great, um, it was called Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research. And we had gone down there for her first appointment. I was with her and she had to have an MRI and she'd never had an MRI before. And so she started having claustrophobia. And we luckily had a little male nurse named Nurse Larry that talked to her for a few minutes. I mean, maybe three or four minutes. And I was standing there, nothing was said that was strange or out of the the normal. And all of a sudden she's laughing and she gets the MRI and she has no problem. The anxiety attack goes away. It calms her system down. And so when she got out of that, I said, you know, I was with her. What did you do, Nurse Larry? You know, what did you do to do this? And he said, it's something called NLP. And so I knew that she was going to have a long journey and probably anxiety was going to be part of it. So I went home and Googled NLP and signed myself up for a class. But the prerequisite to take the neurolinguistics program, the NLP course, um, was you had to become certified as a hypnotist. So this is, I started my hypnosis um, training to be able to get my NLP certificate. And I only did the very basics because this was just something that I was going to be able to help my mom and do whatever Nurse Larry did, you know, to uh, to calm her anxiety and and her stress levels down on this journey. And then fast forward. So she this was three years before my husband was killed. And uh, it was literally about four months after I had taken the course and got certified Mm -hmm. that she went into remission and I didn't need to use this. And I, I literally almost forgot that I knew that other than for the party tricks and things, you know, the, the hypnosis right. or the fear of flying or fear of spiders and things like that. And so I didn't use it. I, my life really went back to normal at that moment. My mom was at, you know, at okay. And um, we weren't going on the, the doctor visits 
And so I went back into the world of fashion and then fast forward again, these three years and my husband was killed. And this is why I had forgotten during the, when I was under Mm -hmm. the stress, because all the thinking part of your brain goes to the the back part of your brain. So it it can keep you in that fight or flight because you don't know if that proverbial tiger is chasing you and you don't need to think about anything. So I, I wasn't able to think straight is what I should say. And so until that time when I woke up in the middle of the night and remembered that I knew this. Mm-hmm. And that is how it kind of all ties together. Wow. How I even knew NLP, how I got myself out of the situation and got the stress levels, became an expert on the nervous system. And our mind is part of our nervous system. And so that is really the journey that led me here today, you know, and then, you know, and since then, during these last eight years, I went back and was recertified with um, uh, more intense NLP, more intense hypnosis, really delve deep, mm-hmm. as you'd say, into um, getting recertified and um, getting all my credentials as uh, up as high as I could, because it's fascinating to me how the mind and body are connected and they work. It's totally fascinating. And I think it's really amazing how your brain remembered the NLP, you know, when your ego was asleep, so it could kind of sneak in. And then it's like, Oh yeah, I know that I've had similar experiences like that where I forgotten. I knew what would give me the answer. And then I was sleeping and I woke up, I'm like, Oh, and it worked every time. And I like, I love that when it's filed in here somewhere, we just got to have a way to get it out. You know, that's right. I know that's such a cool story. I love that. I mean, I don't love the fact that of all the grief and all this stuff, but like how you learned something to help your mom that you ended up really not needing, but then you did need later, but you didn't know it then. (laughs) It's like, I love how the world works. Yes. But, but like you were just saying though, that is, is when we remember is when all the resistance was gone. And that was when my resistance finally gave up is when I gave up basically, you know, and, and when you're sleeping, your resistance is, is, is down, you know? So um, that's why you can tend to remember things in the morning and they come to you at night in your dreams. Right. So I know you probably work with people that have a lot of resistance, conscious and unconscious. And so I, always, I work a lot with people with unconscious resistance to change, like they want to change, but they don't really realize that yeah. there's this unconscious element and NLP works really, really well with that. So how do you use or do you use your intuition in, com- in combination with NLP when you're working with people? Like, do they do they intersect for you or no? Or how does that work? Well, how, how it works now is that NLP is just one of the tools I have. So that if, if NLP is a tool that if, if I'm working with somebody and they need the NLP portion of it, or they need the hypnosis part of it, or they need um, what I'm really focusing more on now is through the guided meditation and really getting into that inner wisdom. And so it's once, you know, what was your question as far as how do I know what the subconscious? Uh, well, how do you use your intuition My in intuition. all of the different work that you do? Like, how does your, your intuitive ability kind of intersect with all these skills that you have? 
Right. Well, talking to my clients, because every everyone is so different. No one has the same experiences. No one has the same issues. You know, so so really it's that communication with my client that really and listening. You know, I listen to what they're telling me and what they need. And that is where I, then I use my intuition as far as sometimes it's just a combination of a bunch of things. You know, maybe it's first of all, they have to calm down their nervous system and the physiology controls the psychology. So once we get a hold of the body, body and can calm the body down then we can go into the mind and into the subconscious oh that's great i love that because i i've heard a lot of people talk about using um different things i know a lot of nlp people and they'll say intuition has no place i'm like well i think it does have a place in all of it when you put lots of things together to be able to kind of see the path and the road and how it comes together because nobody i know is like single like we're multifaceted people there's not ever just one road you know so that's really fun how you weave those things together yeah well we have all these different parts of us and and you you know that because we all say that you know part of me wants to do this and part of me wants to do that and so we all have these these all these different parts inside of us and it, and again you know it really you weave it together because the you're listening to your client and they need part of them needs something here and part of them needs something there and so the more tools that we have in our toolbox we can just you know adjust it to whatever they need yeah that's a that's to me that's really exciting i call that being technically eclectic oh i like that yeah <laughs> like i got lots of stuff in my toolbox and i'm technical about how i bring it out and bring it together and that's what you're reminding me of it's like i have a lot of things to use and then i and i know what to use when and how so this might seem like a weird question but just popped in and i think it'll be really fun like okay so you were in the fashion industry before all of this and i'm curious what pieces of your previous life, if you will, your fashion world, are serving you today in your current work? That's a good question. Well, I think it's the people skills, you know, because mm-hmm. no matter what job you're in or what field you've been in, you know, you have to have people skills. And so n- not so much the fashion part of it. <laughs> Most people aren't really interested in the fashion, you know, when we're talking about the mind and the body. Right. But it's just it's really the the people skills, the listening skills and and just the the what I've learned in just being around people in general. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Of course, because if you're not a very good listener. It's going to be hard to make any headway. So what is your personal vision? Like when you're standing here now, a whole career change, a whole life change, like boom, right? So when you stand here and you kind of look forward, what's your vision for Karen and Karen's work and Karen's life, your personal life? Like what do you see as you kind of keep walking forward? Right. Well, what I see is my ability to help, you know, and what really is drawing me and and keeping me here and really drawing me forward is my ability to help get people out of the suffering and out of the pain. Mm -hmm. Because when I was stuck there, when I was in in that, that period of time that I kept asking people, I said, there has to be a manual, you know, somebody has had to have done this before. You know, and I couldn't find it. I could, there was nobody that I talked to that I could find that actually had the steps and how to get out of the suffering and the pain and the anxiety and the stress. And stress, talk about being relative in today's world, you know, through the pandemic we just lived in. And, and 
I I don't know anybody that isn't under stress. In fact, stress is one of the it, it is the one of the leading things that people go to the doctors for are stress related illnesses in some regard. You know, it it was the top three, and I think they said by 2024 it will be the top reason people go to the doctor is it for a stress related illness. And so when you think about that on a global structure, even you know this is huge. You know, to be able to help people get out of the stress. Because the, your nervous system, once you understand it, it, it's all about the stress and the anxiety and how to get out of that. Um, and so my vision going forward is to help as many people as I can for myself, mm -hmm. because what I truly believe is healed people heal people. And that is where, you know, I wasn't given this journey for anything other than to help others is it is my true belief. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's that, that feeling like you've um, stepped in a hole and somebody gets you out. Your human instinct is turn around and, and hand your, mm -hmm. your, your arm to the next guy and hold them and bring them up with you, you know, so yeah. to help them out. And there's, there's that something that happens when we've had experiences like this, I think to everyone that once you've gotten to the other side, you want to share how to get, others out of their situation, whether that, whether it's, you know, um, the stress and the traumatic stress, even of being bullied or something, you know, it doesn't have to be a very traumatic experience, but to, to get us into these stressful situations. Well, right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't have to be really big and huge no. to get stuck. Like, you know, when you were saying right. where you were just stuck in that and the doctors say, we'll come back when there's a physical thing. Um, I, I've heard I, I had a, a stuck time years and years and years ago. And the doctors told me this was a quote. Women are like dogs. Just go rest and lay in the corner. And just like a dog, when you feel better, you'll start moving around again. And um, whoa, <laughs> just for kicks, I thought I'd share that. So but, and so I understand that stuck in our mind and then people like there's no answer and nobody really knows what to do. And so. By you doing this, you're kind of creating the manual for exactly. people. Yeah, because and that was that was what I kept thinking because my mind just kept going back to where is this manual? It's like maybe this is my journey that I need to create the manual. And that's you know I haven't written an actual manual, but there are the steps and and all the things that I put into place and all the tools that I use that it is a manual that I I now have to be able to help people whatever their situation is. Yeah, right. That's really cool because we can get stuck in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. And and that when, when we are stuck or the perception of being stuck even, right. then I think that increases the stress level that was already there from the stuck. Right. You know, it does. Yeah. And, okay. and this is where I, the, the meditation, the guided meditation is a different you know, when people think of meditation, they think of just clearing the mind. But instead of clearing the mind, what I do is help people think clearly. And so really tapping into that inner wisdom when you're able to think clearly, stop all that external chatter that's going on and really get into that in, inner GPS that we all have as far as when you talk about getting unstuck is what do you really want to do? What's in your heart, Diane? What, you know, right. it's that type of thing, not what I should do and people should are telling me I should do or this mm. makes more sense. But, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of women, especially right now, uh, since the pandemic, especially of that might have been in corporate jobs that are going, you know, there was that awakening 
because I don't think there was everything bad came out of this pandemic. I think a lot of good came out as far as waking people up um, to mm -hmm. there is more in life and that, you know, and this isn't all there is. And really getting into that deeper level of, of themselves, even of what they really want, but they don't know how to what how to find the answers. And so I help them find the answers by quieting all that external chatter and really getting their mind clear and hearing that inner wisdom that we all have. We all have an inner GPS that we just sometimes don't hear because there's so much outside noise that's louder. And our inner voice, it's very still and very quiet, but it's always there. Right. Oh, yes. And when you get all that external static, I call it, then it's hard to hear your own inner wisdom. Yeah. And so the quieting and the stillness allows us to hear better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. And I agree that there's so many things that are really coming out of this pandemic that are helping people like really move forward if they want yeah. to. And um, all of that. So if y'all are really loving what Karen's has to say, like I am, then look in the show notes for her website and ways to contact her. And I'm sure that um, she would receive your comments and your emails with great enthusiasm. So if you're loving what she's saying, then let her know you heard her here and connect with her so that you can keep following and getting great information. Now, I have another question. <laughs> I have lots of questions. They're popping in. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> um, one of them is, now we're talking about mindset. And where do like emotions play into this. Like so many people think mindset is just about what we think. And I really believe emotions are the energy source that tell us we're alive and they're so vital. So speak a little bit to how emotions and mindset and inner wisdom intersect. Like how do they all go together? Right. Yeah, your, your emotions really are the key to of your GPS. I mean, they're, they're telling you what's going on. You know, how are you feeling? You know, stop and, and, and ask yourself how you're feeling. You know, what is that emotion mm -hmm. that's coming up? And because our thoughts are creating our emotions, there are no thought police. It's easy. It's easy to think of a, you know, a better situation and, and, and get the momentum of a mm -hmm. good thought because we all have lots of different thoughts and, and experiences that we've always had. It, it's really just a matter a lot of times of getting into the mindset and how you get the mindset is by changing the thought. And it's, Thinking of something happy, thinking of a, a time that you've, you know, uh, maybe even in the future, because a lot of times we get stuck in the what if of everything that could go wrong. And we start and always forget about that. What if things could go right? Mm -hmm. Or just again, you know, just the happy memories to draw off one. You can actually change your mindset by just changing your thought, which will create the emotion to think of a happier time. You become happy. And so. And so it's so much more simple, but not always easy exactly. than, than people realize. Like they sometimes think, oh, it's going to be hard. Well, it's quite simple, but that doesn't make it easy. Simple and easy are, are not right. the same thing. And so do you, can you think of somebody you've worked with maybe that really struggled with that resistance, even if they didn't know it? And give us a little glimpse into how that gets helped. How can you help somebody who's maybe more resistant than even they're aware of? Because I think that happens a lot. I think there's a lot oh, of it does. Yeah. resistance. So give us a little glimpse into how you would 
approach that situation or, you know, use, you know, client example without, of course, divulging who they were, but like, how does that work? Right. And I'm actually working with someone now, one of my clients, and um, it works by going back into what's really in their subconscious. And picking up on the words in their subconscious, because the subconscious holds all of your answers, you know, and so by really going in and understanding how the language of the subconscious works, because it's not, it doesn't speak English, you know, it speaks through our senses. And so, and all the memories we have is, you know, through your, you know, um, through your taste and your sight and, you know, everything, because everything's vibrational. So it's all in your subconscious is all through your senses is how we, we interpret it. So if somebody will start talking to me and, and the client that I'm thinking of in particular, she kept going back to certain words would pop in and certain phrases would pop in. And by, by, really paying attention to what the words that the subconscious was using, the ones that were really important to her. And there's a physiology that changes when people, once they've tapped into their subconscious. And so when you hear that, when you see that, you know that you're there. It's like trance without having, you know, going into formal trance. And so it's, it's, it is through talking to the subconscious and with her and finding her words. And all of a sudden um, she was going, you know, it, it, it turned into a silly situation, something that was causing her stress and anxiety for years now by seeing the different perspective and seeing what her subconscious was really trying to tell her that she had never listened to because she was using the analytical part of her mind to kind of make sense, you know, and, and reason. Mm -hmm. And the subconscious doesn't reason, you know, it just wants to help you, but you have to be able to speak the same language. Oh, that's interesting because the subconscious doesn't use language, doesn't use English in our case, it uses the senses. And so if you try to interpret what the subconscious is saying with language, it's like the wrong tool. Yeah, that's why people... I mean, and I love affirmations, don't get me wrong, but sometimes affirmations aren't enough in self-help books and all, I mean, it's a huge industry, right? And the thing is, if it worked, why would we, we would fix ourselves? The thing that's interesting to me, Diane, is when client comes to me and they present something, it's never what they think it is because it's, it's that is because they're thinking, you know, it's in the front part of their mind and their analytical reasoning part of your mind but what really is the problem is in the subconscious you know and it's always about getting down to that core issue and you know you think you're coming in because you have fear of public speaking or this or that that's never what it is that's never what it is because if you knew especially I'm sure you're the people you work with, your clients, your audience, very gifted people talk about the smartest of the smart. If they knew what it was, they would have fixed it by now. Right. Yeah. Yes. I say that <laughs> they all the time. What if it you, is. Right. If you knew the answer, you'd already fixed it. You wouldn't That's know me. Right. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. So, the, you know, it kind of is, is really comes down to that. People don't realize they don't know what it is that is, is bothering them. They think they know what it is, but whatever they present, with to me is never the never the problem so you can just log in your mind with whatever they say we know that's not it so we can look anywhere else <laughs> well that you you really have to go down you have to get into the subconscious and it will tell you 
what the real problem is. You know, it could have happened when you were four years old and and it has nothing to do with public speaking. I mean, but you know, every time we have an experience, especially a negative experience, it it gets stronger in our minds, you know, and so it's like a muscle we're building and anything that's familiar and similar to that, you know, will will, will, it will get stronger and stronger. So if it's a negative situation, for whatever reason, it will right. become very right. strong, and then it will present itself. In, you know, whatever the fear is, or whatever the the problem is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, like I say, smart people, especially if they knew what the problem was, they would have fixed it by now. So obviously, they're not. You know, it's not what they think it is. Right. That's re- that's really amazing. And so one of the one of the emotions that I think derails people a lot is grief. Because it's such a conflicting, massive emotion. And God knows you've had your experience with it. And so how can somebody take all the conflicting, massive emotions that go with grief and use it for their benefit to help them access their inner wisdom and use their mindset? Like, how can they flip the script on the grief and have it like send them forward versus holding them back? Yeah, there was... um that the, there's actually, it made me remember there's a um, meditation that I do, a, a guided meditation, which is an experience, you know, that going inside. And I just recently did this with, with a client who was stuck in the grief. I mean, she was really stuck in the, in the, um, the grief, but we took her through the meditation to a bench and her loved one was there and gave her that time, that quiet time to actually ask the questions that she'd always wanted to ask and hear the answers and hear the conversation, having a conversation with whoever she was stuck in the grief with. And by it's a process more than anything, rather than just, you know, uh, do this, do this, do this type thing. Um, and when she came out of it, she was changed. I mean, a lot of the emotion comes up, you know, and, and the tears and things like that. But she said she was able to get on with her life because she finally was able to have all the questions answered that she was stuck with. But again, grief is is it's stuck in in a part of your mind, a part of your brain that hasn't finished processing. Right. And that's the key is when you can go deep into the subconscious, then you end up with not being stuck. And once you can free whatever's got that jam going, then that's the game changer. And I bet you when you're working with somebody, you could hear that shift like that. Yeah. And shifts are interesting. Shifts, shifts are very, they were interesting to me. And it's the same with all my clients. It's like, Sometimes when when you've had maybe stubbed your toe and, and you know, the pain of a stubbed toe, and you can't think of anything else. It's just, you know, but then about maybe an hour or so goes by and and all of a sudden you it's gone and you forgot. You can't even pull up that same pain. You can't remember it. It's just when did it stop? You know, was there a moment that mm-hmm. it stopped? It just there was a shift that just happened and no fireworks went off and nothing <laughs> major happened. And it's the same thing that happens in our brain, in our mind. And even the clients with that have PTSD that I work with, you're expecting something major, you know, for that much pain and suffering. I've worked with people that have been in stuck in PTSD for, you know, 30 years. And once the shift happens, once your mind finishes processing, because when it's stuck in that one side of your brain playing on the loop over and over obviously you know there's left brain right brain but by getting it into that whole brain state that it's not stuck there anymore and and it's just it's just changed and 
and you know it, you can feel it. Most people start laughing because it's a, it's an interesting response to, it's like, and they will say to things like, well, I guess that really wasn't so bad, was it? And their family's going, <laughs> 30 years we've spent, you know, we've heard nothing about, you know, you've been right. in this horrible pain. And it it pain is just like even a headache. You can't remember exactly what a headache feels like when it's gone. So even the the other pains in your mind, you know, the the things that you're stuck in, the grief and all this type mm-hmm. of thing, once it's gone, the emotion, the, the memory never goes away. The memory is always there, but we all have good memories and bad memories that we can pull up anytime we want, but we can put them away. But it's that emotional connection, that emotional hold that they have on us that is able, once they've gotten processed in the whole brain, the emotional hold is gone. Right. Yeah. And then the memory is there because it's an event, but it doesn't control us anymore. Correct. Yeah. The emotional the emotions don't control us. And that that's when we're stuck someplace, it's the emotions that are controlling us. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I, I totally relate to that. Uh, so where does spirituality come into all play here? Mm. Like we're talking about inner wisdom. And for me, that's our right. spiritual essence and then emotion and mindset. And like, where does our spiritual connection come into play? Yeah, because I think the spiritual connection is everything. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, again, everything's vibrational and everything is really on that. Once you get onto that level of whatever that vibration is, because everything's energy. And so spirituality to me is is everything, you know, and it's really getting your mindset right is getting and your GPS all tuned up and right is getting on the same wavelength as your source, whatever we call it, whatever you want to call it. And so that is to me where the the spirit spirituality plays that once you get your body calmed down once you get in touch with that that inner wisdom once you get in touch with that that still small voice you know that gut instinct that we all have Mm -hmm. gut instinct is the spirituality that that is where you know that you're on the right path or the wrong path that is your spiritual guide that will tell you we all have it within us that if you're on the wrong path it doesn't feel good when you're on the right path you know it. it you can just feel it Yes. Yes. And like you said earlier, it doesn't use words. It's feeling and energy. And we know the difference when we're honest with ourselves, right? Between off course and on course. I think. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, this, this is so cool. I'm having so much fun talking about all this stuff. And so another question or a thing I want to ask about is if, if we could imagine (laughs) like lots and lots of people waking up in this way. Cause that's what I consider. I consider the work you're doing, helping wake up parts of people that are yeah. stuck or sleeping so that their light is brighter and their life is more full. And as, as a twice exceptional gifted person, one of the things that gifted people really struggle with is when there is a really strong pain, they feel it exquisitely different than a neurotypical person often. So it's a real important idea to be able to start saying there is a way to get out of that, that exquisite hold that some pain can have on you because it's a completely different experience as far as intensity and things. So this is, I think, very important. So if we could imagine, this is like a little fantasy question. If we could imagine like lots and lots of people waking up and unsticking these little pieces of themselves, you know, which the work that you're doing is amazing and it's person by person. And so we can like fast forward. 
How do you think that would impact our culture? Mm. I think it would impact it hugely because once we know, we know, you know, once we know the answers, once we know how to do this for ourselves, you know, I'm just a guide. That's all mm-hmm. my job is. I'm, I'm guiding people to where that they can learn how to guide themselves, basically. And mm-hmm. once you know, you can teach your children. Once you can, you can share. Because once we have positive experiences in all our lives, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to share it. You found a good mm-hmm. hairdresser. You found a good nail artist. You found a good went to a good movie. Went to a good restaurant. What's the first thing in human nature we want to do is share that. So when we can know how to when we can learn how to make ourselves feel better truly make ourselves feel better really get in in tune with our bodies and know how to control our emotions and the energy that um we want to share with others and so there's that is it the butterfly effect is that what it is you know that Mm -hmm. ripple that yes and so the world is so hungry and thirsty for this i just um uh, led meditations at a women's retreat uh, last month. And these were women that were saying a lot of the same thing. You know, there is a conscious awakening that they're having. And mm-hmm. they're all looking and thirsty for some of this self-help, the, the the real inner self-help, you know, to be able to share it with others and to change their lives. And um, and it, it's the impact is is huge, I believe, as far as what this can do. Once we've changed ourselves, we can't help but change others. Right. And, and not only because we want to share it, but also because when our vibration changes, it inherently changes exactly. everything around us. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's that's wonderful. I, I was wondering because I've been thinking about it a little bit and going, you know, that would be to me, that's a glorious vision to have more and more people unstuck in the places that have really just been a problem and that would be beautiful yeah there's so so much suffering that's going on you know and mm -hmm. anything that we can do to help the suffering that i think would be yeah yeah so totally true so what inspires you what keeps you going and inspires you personally personally um the journey that i went on and so it was like i was given this for a reason Mm. And, you know, that um, it wasn't my choice, you know, and no. but but because of of what I was given, it keeps me going on every time I work with somebody and I make them feel better. And I instantly get I mean, whether it's getting out of pain or stopping a headache, there's all sorts of, again, different tools and that for whoever I'm working with has has different needs. And once they can get out of the suffering it changes. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what I see. Yeah, that that really is my, you know, I, I believe that it's why I'm here now to, to help people stop the oh, suffering. That's really, really cool. So I have experienced your work. And, um, and it was really fun, because you're correct. The answer isn't what I thought it was. In fact, it was totally not anywhere near in the realm where I thought it was. And I already knew it wouldn't be what I thought it was. And it was still surprising. Like, I already knew the rules. And I already knew it wasn't going to be what I thought. And I already knew that everything I thought it could be, the whole list of things, it was none of those. I already knew all that. And it was still surprising. And it was very profound. And so... I want to thank you for sharing your gift with me and for sharing with other people, because I think it really does help change things in a tangible, real, meaningful way that impacts your life forever. 
And so I want to thank you and and share that with with everybody that you know I always I try everything. I'm like Mikey, you know, I will try just about anything and and I'm like, okay, I already know it's not going to be what I think. And then it was really not what I thought. And I'm like, wow. And so then I was journaling and writing and processing about it. And I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of interesting. I can see where that would be a thing. And just a little while ago, before we started recording, like a couple hours before our time, I was sharing with somebody about some kind of historical frustration with something or whatever and I keyed into that whole thing that we uncovered. And I'm like, oh, that's hooked here. There's a tendril there. And in the moment, it's like the moment I could see in my mind's eye, the tendril, it all went away. Wow. And I'm like, all right, well, this is like even cooler than I thought. I knew it was cool. Now I think and it's all cooler. in your mind. Yeah. And it was all in my mind in this moment, in this conversation. And I was not even directly talking about it. With that person i was talking about something related to it and i'm like huh this is really fun oh my god i'm glad i get to interview karen <laughs> you know like oh it's even more fun and so if you're thinking about wondering what to do then call karen and have her have her work with you because you will be transformed even if you don't realize you need to be transformed it's really kind of fun so is there anything that you wanted to share about or that i did not cover that you would like to share with everybody before I, you know, close out with our final question. Yeah. I think what I really want to, my message to be is there's no need to keep suffering. Mm. You know, it's that internal suffering that, you know, behind the closed doors suffering, you know, that we put on the front and we look fine and go out into the world, but, but know that there is help to really get into that internal suffering and that life's too short. You don't have to suffer. There's so many ways out. That's, that's a beautiful message. And, and it's true. I think some people, you know, I think somewhere along the line, people, we learn culturally that it was noble to suffer and noble to be the martyr and noble. And it's not. Especially as women, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially as women. You're right. So it's not noble to suffer, y'all. So if you're suffering or you or better yet, you're a gifted person with all of that silent pain that nobody can see, but you know is in there, go to the show notes, go on Karen's website and contact her. And you'll see, like I saw with all the work I do on myself, and yet a new cool layer of something to free myself. So you too can do it. She's willing. So you got to be willing. So there you go. So your final question is, if we were going to put a billboard up that the whole world was going to see with Karen's message on it, what is that message? I think I shared it with you earlier. It's healed people, heal people. Beautiful. Healed people, heal people. You heard it here, everybody. Thank you, Karen, for being on the show with me today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your time and your passion with us today. Thank you, Diane. I appreciate it. Remember, everybody, put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So this is your day to go out there and let your light shine even a bit brighter. And until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. 
again, thanks for listening.